You're listening to Epic Catharsis, Storytelling Do's and Don'ts, the podcast where an expert and an in-law discuss storytelling and how it could lead you to catharsis. Hey, I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm your host, Tyler. Today, we're not exactly going to be covering a story specifically, but an element of storytelling. And we're going to be talking about how to how to hook your reader, how to convince someone to invest in your story in the first five to ten pages. And the reason this came up was because of a series of tweets that were put out the other day on February 18th by Tony Tost. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, but basically, he offered up a little, a few threads talking about the industry of screenwriting and what producers and the studios are looking for in, you know, the writers who are trying to break into the industry. Um, and to summarize the whole set of tweets, he basically talks about how it's your first five to ten pages that really sets the new writer apart. And this was interesting because this is something that I've heard a lot in classes for screenwriting and everything. But this is something that I don't believe only pertains to screenwriting. I believe that this can actually be useful for almost all mediums. So I I guess we should kind of just look at the the openings to some of the different types of stories and how they can they can boost your story and draw your audience into it. Yeah. Um and like I'm not the educated one, I'm not the expert, so I may not have as much to say about this, but I do have some intros in mind that have been my favorite. And I have also introductions in mind to things that didn't really hook me. So we may have some differing opinions, but we'll see. Yeah, but it's good to look at all these different sides because that's where you can see what works and what doesn't. And you can look at things like some of my examples that I will give out sometimes are going to be, you know, I'm going to talk about a little bit about The Great Gatsby tonight. Like not everybody's read that book, but maybe some people have seen a popular TV show or something that more people can connect to. But the first thing that you really need to understand when it comes to writing or giving a piece of work to an editor, to a publisher, to an agent for screenwriting, um, is that you have to understand what your story is and what it's about. And you also need to look at what the publisher or whoever's going to be reading the work wants. So there's, there's a lot more freedom when you're trying to give like a blanket fiction story without a specific genre to a publisher or a screenwriting agent studio. Um, but if you, if you have somebody who's asking for, let's say an 1800s piece about wartime France and you hand them Harry Potter, not only do you really, you don't really understand the assignment or, you know, what they were looking for, but you shouldn't be surprised if it's rejected. It doesn't mean that the story's bad. It just means that that's not what the particular place is looking for. So that's something right off the bat that you should look at when you're looking at your story and who you're sending it off to. When it comes to understanding your story, you got to look at the tone, the mood of it, you know, does the... Does the happy parts, the sad parts bounce around? You, you got to understand what it is and you got to try to give those first themes and the, the tone of your story kind of within the first chapter or so. So whenever someone's reading it, you know, if it's the first reader or the editor or the publisher, or whoever wants to take your story, maybe for the long run, they can get a sense of what you're about to give them in that first chapter. 
One thing I think really exemplifies this, and we talked about this during Romance Week, is Up. I mean, you had such strong emotions in the beginning that led to this huge grief, which carried you through the whole movie really effectively. But also, it was one of the most engaging introductions of all time. Absolutely. I mean, you've got the you got the scenes that the little montage scene where you're going through the different emotions of the journey of these two characters, and then you have the the little boy scout who's coming to try and kind of rekindle, you know, the old man's attention and joy in life and going on this adventure and setting things all in motion. It's it's that first, you know, scene, those couple of shots that really pull at the heartstrings, tug your audience and say, I want the rest of this story because you've just been dragged through the death of this family. And now you want to know what is next. How does he get back up? And that's how you draw somebody in. For sure. But at the same time, an introduction to something I've watched recently that I didn't really feel hooked by was WandaVision. And I know, I don't think Tyler has seen this yet, but, um... No, not yet, but I'm getting there. Yeah. The introduction has a completely different feel than the overarching plot, which you don't learn until, like, four episodes in. It's still really good. It's just... It's confusing. It keeps you engaged because it's confusing, not because it's necessarily enthralling. I actually think that's a good point, because, you know... I guess in my description to begin with, I may have made it sound like you have to have the perfect, you know, first chapter that, you know, t- tells all of your themes and all your little stories into that first 10 to 15 pages or 5 to 10 pages, but y- you don't. I mean, you should, all, all your goal is, is to hook the reader to say, this is who I am as a writer, this is what I can produce, and you should keep reading and going into it so it's good to sometimes be confusing look at one of the first lines to one of the most famous books that's ever been written george orwell's 1984 the book starts it was a bright cold day in april and the clocks were striking 13 just one sentence in and we already have questions as an audience saying how does a clock strike 13 there's only 12 numbers on a clock well, I mean, I think you have to watch it to understand, because I, I didn't, it can be confusing and enthralling, but I think what hooked you into WandaVision was the fact that it was already so established by the Marvel Universe, that Wanda and Vision, you already know them, and you know that Vision is dead, and you're like, well, how is this happening? Because it's after the snap. Um, so, or after the blip, I guess, is I think what they call it. So it's not that it was confusing in a way that didn't make sense and made you get like a little bored with the story because they didn't give you explanations fast enough. Gotcha. There was no reason you had to be confused in gotcha. your mind. So that Orwell entrance was incredible. That was a that was a very engaging first sense, but I don't know. We'll have to talk about WandaVision in another episode. Absolutely. I'm hoping to do that closer whenever the last episode comes out. 
But it, you, you don't always need to get caught up on the first uh, sentence of a story either. Because, you know, this started about screenwriting. And so when you look at TV and movies, you don't see what's written on the page. Or you don't, you don't see the physical words that are on the page. You see the screen where the words are translated into motion and action and dialogue and people doing stuff in a visual medium. But the important thing in those first five to ten pages, like he was saying, is to hook the audience. And I have a great example, and I know that Kelly has heard me talk about this more times than anything, of my favorite opening scene ever in a film or visual media. That's the opening to Inglorious Bastards. Mm, you have mentioned this one. So Quentin Tarantino is a very interesting filmmaker. He tells his stories in a non-linear fashion. So sometimes, you know, he starts the movie in the middle of it and then he bounces around more times than not. And in this one, it's sort of in the earlier phases with this with Inglorious Bastards, but he starts it off with a character and it's just you're thrown into the middle of a scene where the tension spikes and it keeps on going and he draws it out and it's this very there's there's so much unwritten that he's putting onto the screen and that's that's all that's more of a way of how great he is as a filmmaker and telling the story but if you read the pages of Inglorious Bastards or the screenplay the first 5 to 10 to 15 or however long that scene is you still get that same sense of the dread of what's about to come you get the you get it more than what you do on screen because you can see the little telltale signs of the Nazis and hearing the people that are underneath the baseboards and how the camera is supposed to move. And you still get that same feeling of tension and drawing the audience in. You want to read more. So it doesn't matter how it translates, whether it's on the screen or still in a book, whether it's the first sentence or the first chapter, gaining that audience following to not put it down is the best thing you can do for it. Can I confess something to you, Tyler? Go for it. I hope we can still be friends after this. Like, uh, right. I think if we made it through the Last of Us Part 2 episode, we can make it through anything. I have not seen that movie. He rolled his eyes so hard. Just it's to not, let you guys know. No, I wasn't rolling my eyes. It's... Quentin Tarantino... Quentin Tarantino is a very Quentin Tarantino is a very unique storyteller and his stuff is not for everybody. It took me a while before I've started to slowly enjoy the way that he does storytelling. Um so I mean, some I, yeah, people really that. like it. Some people really like his stuff and some people don't and I I'm okay with that. For me, it's either hit or miss, because I've seen movies of his that I really enjoyed, and I've seen movies of his that I could honestly... I watched once, and that was plenty. So. Yeah, and I, I really do... I do recommend it to whoever hasn't seen it. If you if you need a good opening to, to understand what it means to draw your reader, and that's, <laughs> that's the one. So, I have heard different things where... Some people like to start gently, and some people like to start in the midst of chaos. I think that's a really good point to talk about, because so many people have their own way of doing things. And this is really where it's hard to sit here on any type of 
podcast or any way that we would be teaching or talking about storytelling of what the right and wrong things to do are because everybody has their own way of doing it. The rules are always meant to be broken. You know, we can sit here and say, this is how some of the greats in the last 10 to 15 years do it and how they've done great with it. But there's always going to be somebody who comes around and breaks it. Now, you can have five people who can sit there, write a great story where it's a very slow entrance, but still capture the audience. And then you have five that are really fast, bang, out of the door, ready to go, and still capture your audience. I think there's a difference in storytelling from someone like Michael Bay and the person who wrote The Notebook. You know what I mean? Michael Bay is girls and engines. That's how he tells a story. I... uh... I have my feelings about Michael Bay. He's just he's just a very loud blow em up storyteller, which is I mean, some he's people He's a guy it. who he's the type of I feel like he's the type of dude who would say boys will be boys. I can see that. Yeah. His explosions are cool. He starts his stories with literal bangs. And I feel like some people get into the wrong mindset of you have to start your story with some big action piece. I, I think that some people some people think that, especially in some of the screenplays that I've re- uh, read and stuff throughout the years, um, is that you have to have this big, huge action scene because that's what proves that you can tell visual audience with action. And again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of you have to understand your story. If you're going for some big, huge action piece, like let's say you're going for a spy thriller or Transformers, yeah, start it out with some big, huge explosion and action sequence to capture your audience. But if you are doing The Notebook or a romance or something, you know, it's going to start slow. And, you know, sometimes you can have these stories like your love stories or other types that may come off as a little bit slower to start. But I think that it comes off as slow because you're focusing a little bit more on the characters. And, yeah, they might have a little bit of action in there, whether it's wartime or whatever. But if the story is about the love, then the action of the, quote, love itself isn't going to kick off until a little bit later. It's kind of the way that I view it. I mean, it makes sense, but also no story is just about explosions. So, like, every... Though there are explosions in love stories and there are explosion in action movies, it's never about the action. That's never, like, the main plot. It might be the main mechanism of moving through the story with your characters, but it's it's not what the story is about. Well, I think that's where you kind of start to open up a different can of worms with the difference between story and plot. Um, I do think that, you know, action is pretty important to every story to kind of move things around otherwise you just have two people sitting in a room talking for 200 pages and you know nothing really happening however yes it doesn't have to be explosions i think i was talking about explosions more of like action just people moving it's just people hear the word explosions and they think boom something's happening so We've talked a little bit about what we think makes a good or a bad introduction or or just what a lot of introductions encompass, but you keep on doing the saying like five to ten pages, five to ten pages. Why specifically five to ten pages? I know you mentioned something about 
how is it is it just for is it mostly for screenwriting like producers see a million scripts a day and it has to be the first five to ten pages because that's all they have time to skim through or are you talking about like books so to answer your second question first i think that it's mostly pertaining to the screenwriting to the stories for the visual medium that's where you get the producers at the end of the day or whoever's reading the scripts you know you're a new name you're coming out and you you're a new name coming out they don't know who you are and they get the script and they say okay can this you know almost nobody grab my attention in 5 to 10 pages and in that amount of time you've got to you know basically hit out of the gates running and keep going and that again that does not have to be this big huge set action piece it just has to be something engaging for the audience and where that translates into books is usually more the first chapter whenever you send off your story to publishers um, through your agents sometimes you'll get like a first reader or the first editor who whoever the first person to read your story will take a look at it and usually within that first chapter or so it's you know a little bit longer than five to ten pages but that first chapter that reader is going to be able to know what you're what you're going to be telling that entire story not necessarily a plot or the story itself but you know your tone the way that you write how well you write things like that so you got to really grab their attention and want them to go to that next chapter to flip the page to keep reading you got to prove that you can uh, keep up with the big guns exactly so now that you guys have heard our views on the openings of your stories whether it be a screenplay or a book and the importance of capturing your audience within that first five to ten pages or chapter. We want to hear from you guys. Tell us your favorite openings to whether it be a movie, TV show, book, short story, anything. And let us know what you think is the best way to open a story. And I'm already going to say that we already know how hard anime intros go. So you can leave those out. I think that's another beast in itself entirely. <laughs> we'll talk about that one another time, too. But anyways, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Epic Catharsis. Check us out at our website, www.epicatharsis.com, or you can check out our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought. We'll be back Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. Okay, bye.